Nonsense, the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay. I mean, read. <laughs> we'll explore it all classic bodice ripping historical romance, provocative political thrillers, sexy sci fi, and everything in between. Every week, we'll each cover one story, no spoilers. We'll share our favorite moments, which of your favorite tropes to expect, and rate its readability, how hot it is, and how romantic it is. We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Hello. Hi. Are you ready to get started? Absolutely. All right. Uh, So this week I read... Ice Planet Barbarians. Yay! (laughs) Now, for this week, I'm only going to be talking about Ice Planet Barbarians. Number one, there are, I believe, 22 books now. Uh, So, Ice Planet Barbarians is by Ruby Dixon, and she is insanely prolific. She, I believe, is like a youngish woman, like, I'd say about our age. She has something like 100 plus published works. You know, the first one of these was published, I think, in 2015. Oh, wow. And there's already 22. That's insane. She's, like, cranking them out. Um, And anyway, so we're just going to be talking about number one today. Maybe sometime in the future we'll we'll dive into some more. Um, But, yeah, we're going to focus on number one. And I just want to give an honorable mention to Emma Carter from TikTok. So her handle is uh, Charlie Swansong on TikTok. And she is, like, single-handedly responsible for sort of creating, like, a resurgence of this book. I mean, obviously, Ruby Dixon's been publishing them for the last six years at a startling rate. Um, But I think they, you know, really were kind of relegated to, like, a cult following. Uh, And you'll see why as I talk about the book, but uh, they've sort of exploded in popularity and it really comes down to this one young woman um, who was just singing their praises. So (laughs) I've seen much of her content. It's all amazing. And uh, lots of people have made great content about this series on TikTok. So definitely check it out. Um, Okay. So first I will read the back of book description. Do you want to tell us what we're drinking first? Oh my god. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) So tonight, in honor of Ice Planet Barbarians, we're drinking the Big Blue Alien. Cheers. Cheers. Um, So the Big Blue Alien is basically a take on a margarita. It is one and a half ounces of mezcal, 0.75 ounces of lime juice, and 0.75 ounces of blue curacao, and a quarter ounce of, I just used simple syrup because I didn't have agave, But um, agave syrup would be best. Uh, And a salted rim. So it's a big, beautiful blue margarita. Gorgeous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So for the brief back of book description. 
You'd think being abducted by aliens would be the worst thing that could happen to me. And you'd be wrong, because now the aliens are having ship trouble and they've left their cargo of human women, including me, on an ice planet. And the only native inhabitant I've met, he's big, horned, blue, and really, really has a thing for me. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> oh my god, um, so good. So it's concise. Doesn't give you a great idea of what to expect. Um, so the main tropes in this book are forced proximity, as you might imagine. You've crash landed on a planet, and there's a humanoid species there that you're now reliant on. And a sort of form of the arranged marriage trope. Okay. So, oh, and my cast. Yes. So <laughs> this one was tough for me. Um, so, well, actually, the female lead was pretty easy. So the um, our main character, our point of view character is Georgie, um, who is a 22-year-old human woman. <laughs> and um, she is a really fun main character. She's super sassy. She's definitely like a roll with the punches type. Um, and she's creative and not shy. And uh, yeah, it's like she's a really engaged main character, which is super fun. So I picked her as a Mila Kunis type, oh. like funny, uh, mm-hmm. kind of goofy, but like also has a get shit done kind of vibe. Um, and then for the male lead, whose name is Vectal, I had Jason Momoa, but like not fully like Game of Thrones. Not Jason Momoa. No. Um, although... Aquaman? <laughs> Wait, Baywatch? Oh my gosh. No, actually definitely not. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, like sort of a more serious version of Drogo or more like, um... So he, he is like the leader of his people, so that applies. That's and there's very definitely though, yeah. yes. There's like a wildness and there's a language barrier, so that's like clearly Got what it. is popping into my mind. Um, but the uh, male lead is very like he's also a get shit done type, and he's like a great leader, and uh, he's also more sensitive. And anyway, it's pretty close. So I'm sort of like a more like slightly more buttoned up kind of Drogo type. Hmm, okay. um, but definitely he's like seven feet tall and ripped. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yep. Worse. <laughs> All right. Um, so overall, I loved it. I mean, <laughs> I think it's like the general consensus on this book is like, it's amazing, but no one is quite sure why it works so well. I mean, that's literally like my first note is like, why does this work? <laughs> um, and so I keep trying to figure out why it works for so many people, myself included. Um, I definitely, the whole time I was reading it, was thinking of it as like brain candy, which is like what my kids' teachers call like diary of a wimpy kid. You know, it's like, it's it's unchallenging. Mm-hmm. It's funny. And it just like carries you along. Um, <clears throat> I, I have here in my notes, like it just fizzes, like it's punchy. The chemistry between the characters is good. The dialogue is like hilarious. Like the whole thing is just funny. Um, and it really moves along at a good pace. I mean, I think, you know, I read the Kindle version, but I think it's only about 200 pages, the like actual physical copy. Um, and it never tries to be anything that it isn't, which I appreciate. It never like takes time to justify how silly it is. It's just like doing it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of put in here, like, it's like a literary tremors plus sex. (laughs) You remember that Kevin Bacon movie? Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Um, okay. 
Uh, yeah, and the sex. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, as a woman who's attracted to men, <laughs> um, <laughs> the idea of, like, banging a seven-foot-tall, like, Viking-looking guy who, like, literally has a rabbit vibrator for junk is, like, sounds pretty good. Um, wait, so wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this a spoiler to I tell mean, me more about that? <laughs> you no, know, you definitely find out within like the first 60 pages, so I wouldn't call it a spoiler. But uh, yeah, so in addition to being seven feet tall and having horns and being a sort of gray-blue color, the people on this planet, uh, who are not originally native to this planet either, um, <laughs> the... <laughs> genitalia yeah it's a little bit different <laughs> um so they actually like and it's not just the genitalia so like they're really tall they're muscled and they have these like ridges all over their body so like their forehead and down their arms and their chests and also on their genitalia and also on their tongue <laughs> they're literally ribbed for, for her pleasure <laughs> <laughs> yep. wow Yep, and then uh, in addition to that, I mean, obviously they have like appropriate, appropriately sized genitalia for their seven foot tall stature. So okay. like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they're well endowed. Uh, but they have like an extra little, like a little, uh, a little fun extra bit. <laughs> so they- A, a the, little bunny ears. A little bunny ears, gotcha. yes. They call it a spur. Mm. And uh, it's described as a bony protrusion with a round end that, you know, is right above their dick. And so, yeah, it is like literally like a rabbit vibrator. So when they are having penetrative sex, that little spur is right where you want it to be. It's like right on the clit. <laughs> Occasionally, they're doing it from behind, so... This author is a genius. I mean, literally. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if she, like, had Rabbit Vibrator in her head and worked backward from there to create, like, an alien love story, but um, it, it works. <laughs> um, and, <clears throat> you know, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, this book is like a snow day. It's like, everyday rules do not apply. Like, you it's just, just have to, like... It's just pure fun. Yes, exactly. Um... And so, yeah, like, <laughs> one of the early, like, our first encounter with the male lead is Georgie, our female lead, waking up on the receiving end of Cunnilingus from a giant blue stranger. <laughs> and she just decides to roll with it. And, I mean, I guess, like, if you've already been kidnapped by aliens or 90, and are 99% sure you're going to die and said Cunnilingus is banging. Go for it. Why go not? for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's not, I mean, definitely I have some content and trigger warnings for this book, but it's like there, you know, there's a little bit of like, you just can't see it as applying in real life, right? Like right. none of us are going to wake up on the receiving end of oral sex and be cool with it. You right. Know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel like that's an added bonus of this sort of being in the fantasy world is that. If it's in the real world, it's harder to separate the yep. thing. The fantasy world's a little easier. Totally, yes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, anyway, it's 
it's just fun. Like there's just kind of no way around it. It's just like a fun kind of rollicking good time. Um, so yeah, I loved it. <laughs> um, I immediately opened the second book as soon as I finished the first one. Yes. It's just addictive. Um, and I actually, there is a great CNN article from just a couple weeks ago on June 26th um, by AJ Willingham that talks about the like sort of phenomenon that happened around this book series on TikTok. And oh, wow. in that, yeah, CNN wrote an article about it. It's like CNN a- wrote an article about TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> and about big blue aliens who are ribbed for her pleasure. What is the world? Right I now? mean, <laughs> Um, but they have a great quote from Ruby Dixon, the author, the author um, of this series in there. And she says, I like a softer, happier story. I like found family type stories. I like a community with a lot of characters so you can feel you get to know everyone. She says, not every book has to be a Pulitzer winning think piece. I've always read escapist, happy fiction. So that's what I want to write, period. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Like she's just... She's filling a niche and yeah, she's having a great time doing it. And clearly it's bringing her joy. She's written like how many books? So I love it. I loved every moment of it. Um, So, and I'm assuming Ruby Dixon is a pet name. Do we know anything about her? We know almost nothing about her. So there could be anyone. It could be anyone. (laughs) And in fact, there is... There are only two pictures of her that I could find online, oh, wow. and they don't look a lot like each other, so I'm not sure hey, if they're models. her. Yeah, <laughs> although one of them, you know, she's, like, wearing a mask, and right. it's her, like, I just voted mm. picture from this last November, and you can barely see anything. Um, but there's, and then there's one other picture of a redheaded woman that pops up when you search her, but that picture is not on her website. Wow. You know, like, it's her, I mean, Ruby Dixon... Yeah, that name definitely sounds like a pen name if I've ever heard one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so she could be anyone. She's written so many books under that name that I, like, doubt she's another offer, author oh, under yeah. a different name. Because right. I'm like, when would she have the time to write any yeah. other books? How, did you say there's, like, 20? 22 of just this series, but she has many other oh my series. God. <laughs> <laughs> say, okay, so, like, 20 since 2015 is averaging, yes. like, about Four books a, a year. year. Yes. Just the series. And there's others. Yeah, it's Jeez. just one. And there's novellas. Like, it's just, there's so much content that she's wow. churning out. So I doubt she's writing under any other name. But, um, yeah, she could literally be anyone. Be your mom. It could be your mom. <laughs> God, <laughs> no, it I could be not. neither of our moms. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway. So, I mean, it's a great time you know I think probably it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea but like if you're just looking for something that is like a good time you can read it in a sitting perfect yeah you should go for it um okay so overall ratings readability I mean I give it a five out of five I'm like is it fancy no but is it like action-packed and does it move along and suck you in and like really get you engaged 100%. Like, there's just nothing missing. Um, hotness level, I give it a four. I'm like, I've yet to read a five. I'm kind of like saving it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's pretty good. I um, mean, based on what you've described so far, <laughs> how could it not be? <laughs> yes. No, it definitely is like, if you want something to get you in the mood, this is it. Um, and I, I have finished the second one. I would say it might be even better. 
Um, the romance, though, I gave it a one. I'm just like, I just can't. I mean, it is sweet, and maybe I'm underselling it a little bit. I'm just like, how can you have romance or consent of any kind when you're right. trapped on an alien planet and you rely upon your partner for your life? Like, yeah. it just seems a little bit... And, you know, it's a classic, like, cheesy romance, borderline erotica. There isn't really a whole lot of time spent on the romance <laughs> element. So, um, you know, it's not a great love story. Uh, but overall, you have it a four. It's just really, really fun. Uh, does it pass the vibe check? Hell no. No, it does not pass the vibe check at all. I mean, it's, like... The you know it's it's a man written by a woman so there is a lot of like tenderness and empathy and it's it is sweet but like this thing is packed with trigger warnings I mean there's rape there's all kinds of sexual assault there's like intimate partner violence if you've ever been roofied at a nightclub proceed with caution there are a lot of triggers in this book um, you know it's it, there's just no way to say that it passes the the vibe check. Consent is literally impossible in a situation like this. Um, you know, because even when women do like choose to do what they're doing, they're not in a position to say no. So it's just, there's no real consent happening. Um, and, you know, not to like entirely remove the agency given to women in these stories, they are really fun, well written characters. And the male love interests, you know, demonstrate empathy. Like I said, they care for their partners. Um, but yeah. How are you going to say no to someone when you rely on them to live? So. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but I will read you my favorite line. And I think it's just, a, it's really indicative of the series as a whole. So this is about a quarter of the way through the first book. And it is as Georgie is meeting Vectal for the first time. A small whimper escapes my throat as he rises up over me. I see the shaggy white furs covering his shoulders, and I realize I saw them from hanging upside down. It wasn't a monster come to eat me. It was this monster who's come to eat me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It just is like, it's shamelessly. It's so good. Yeah, leading into it, it's so fun. Oh. Um, yeah. So. That's Ice Planet Barbarians. Um, definitely, definitely recommend it to any and all who don't want to avoid these specific content warnings, which are serious. Um, yeah. So for my deep dive, I was really inspired by the sort of fur on TikTok about this book. So I wanted to touch on that, and that led me into some interesting bits about uh, how bestseller lists work and what they mean and you know why we don't see things like ice planet barbarians on them yeah all right so um like i said i was inspired by the unbelievable rise of ice planet barbarians beyond the realm of obscure cult following to the top of the amazon bestseller lists that happened like seemingly overnight and due entirely to this movement on tiktok that like picked it up and ran with it um, and specifically on the book talk section of TikTok. Um, so this series, which is written by the shockingly prolific Ruby Dixon and currently stands at 22 novels and novellas, 
It had a steady fandom already uh, that gathered on Facebook to discuss everything Big Blue Aliens. It's like really cute. There's like a community Facebook page about it, um, which Ruby is on, I believe. Mm. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden, the book really took hold on TikTok, specifically in the book talk community. Um, and, you know, so I was around when the same thing happened on an even larger scale with Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. where it got, like, lifted up from obscurity. Um, but this felt totally different. I mean, people actually liked Ice Planet Barbarians. Um, like, maybe they were picking it up out of curiosity, because, like, I'm sure, like me, everyone was like, how is this a thing? Um, but ultimately, the buzz around it was, like, so sweet and endearing. Um, people didn't read it just to like be titillated or horrified, which is how I remember everyone reading Fifty Shades of Grey, or at least that's how they were justifying it. Um, and yeah, it was just like, this is a thing and they didn't want to miss out. Um, but it brought up a question in the community regarding how bestseller lists are compilated. Um, unsurprisingly, Ice Planet Barbarians has not shown up on the New York Times bestseller list, but why not? According to The Atlantic, Amazon currently controls a market share of 64% of all print books sold online and 41% of all new books purchased in America. Including like digital copy, like is yes. that what that okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if it's showing up on their bestseller lists, like how is it not showing up on the New York Times bestseller list, right? Like yeah. that's such a huge market share. Um, and I read a really fantastic article by Constance Grady on Vox. It's from 2017, but um, that it was kind of the newest article I could find. You assume it, it still down. works the same yes, way. Yeah. Uh, if anything, Amazon has like a larger market share now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this article on Vox that Constance Grady wrote really breaks down like how all the different lists are compiled. Mm. So... There are a number of bestseller lists that people rely on for data, but there is definitely no denying that the New York Times list is like the gold standard, right? Um, once a bestseller, always a bestseller. And a spot on the New York Times list can boost not only that one book that's on it, but the author's, all their subsequent works, right? And then it's all like so-and-so author, New York Times New York bestseller. Times, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it can have a really strong effect, like up to a 50% increase in sales, but an average of 14 to 20%. Um, so it is a big pull. It is a big deal. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple other lists that people use. USA Today is another big one, and they compile their own data from a handful of independent bookstores and many of the usual suspect big sellers. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and so on. The, these descriptions, by the way, are pulled almost directly from the Vox article. So um, thank you very much to Constance. Um, it doesn't make any claims about what shares of book sales it tracks. So it's not aiming to be comprehensive, but it does aim to assemble a broad sampling of the books being sold every week at different types of bookstores. It doesn't divide its list into any specific categories, but just reports the top 150 titles sold across all genres. Hmm. Um, Publishers Weekly is another big one. They pull their data from the Nielsen Service Book Scan. BookScan is a service that most publishers also use to track their competitors' sales, so it's pretty much industry standard. Um, BookScan says that it tracks 80 to 85% of sales of printed books in the U.S., which that is a lot. Like, that's, like, so much. But just <laughs> um, printed. 
Yes, just printed. So again, hmm. not digital. Um, and some people have contested that claim, but it definitely gets data from major sellers um, as well as a lot of independent bookstores. Um, what it doesn't track are books sold at independent bookstores that use older systems incompatible with their tracking, which I'm sure that like Annie Blooms is yeah. one of those, right, in mm-hmm. Portland, um, or books being sold outside the general bookstore ecosystem. It actually seems that no one tracks these. So if you're buying books like at, you know, there's actually like a whole wall of romance books at my Walgreens, or right. if you're buying like books at a toy store, those are not tracked by anyone. Um, and so like, yeah, it says like gift shops or toy stores or even sales to libraries are not tracked. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause they're probably a really great indicator of like what people actually want to read. Right. Yeah. Look at, you know, who, who's got the longest waiting list. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's interesting. So that brings us to the New York times. And as they say in this Vox article, they're like how they create their list is actually like a very well-protected secret. They don't give up their exact information on how they're making it happen. So people are paying for it. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it. Okay. So there actually was an incident a few years back where a publisher and author of a book were caught buying large quantities of their own book um, from places that they knew were bookstores that the New York Times was tracking. Right. They were caught... And the New York Times removed them from the bestseller list. They had gone to number one. Wow. Anyway, it was like quite a like scandal. A scandal. Because um, apparently they were hoping to sell the movie rights to that book. And that's why they mm, were like making it. But the okay. Restaurant. But if one person is caught, that means that there's other people doing it that are not caught. Almost surely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but so anyway, what we know for sure is that the New York Times pulls it's sales data from a sampling of independent bookstores like everyone else. We don't know for sure which ones. And presumably, you know, from big players like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Mm-hmm. We know its figures don't agree exactly with BookScan's figures because there are usually discrepancies. Um, the New York Times tracks sales of both print books and ebooks, which okay. not everyone else does. Um, and... Um, like BookScan and USA Today, it doesn't track sales from channels outside of traditional bookstores. Um, what we don't know is how many bookstores they talk to, how it weights different kinds of sales, or how it interprets its data. It's widely rumored that independent bookstore sales are weighted more heavily than Walmart sales, for huh. instance. But the Times has never confirmed this. Some observers have also suggested that it weights print sales from traditional publishers more heavily than it does digital sales from digital publishers or self-publishers. Because books that do very well on Amazon's in-house imprints seem to rarely show up on the Times list. So like Ruby Dixon series are all self-published. Mm. You know, I'm sure it's not easy to get someone, a big publishing house, excited about publishing a series about big blue aliens, right? right? Um so anyway, that is a lot of data, but I just think it's really interesting to think about where most folks read and buy their romance specifically um, and why it might be misrepresented or missing entirely from bestseller lists. Yes. And that's super interesting because, I mean, like when I'm looking for a book mm-hmm. read, like where do I go to look for something that might be good that other people have enjoyed? Yep. And like if you go to a bestseller list, you're really like... 
you're maybe only just finding a book that like lots of people have bought, not necessarily enjoyed. Totally. And then like, why did they buy it in the first place? It's got to be like compounding, like it's on the list and then it gets stuck on Absolutely. the list. And then, it's like self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah. It, yeah, it's fascinating. And I know that like, especially mm-hmm. when I was younger and like there wasn't so much information available, yeah. like now there's good reads, right? So oh, it's yeah. like, although so that's much. also problematic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no arguments there. Um, but I think, you know, I used to like when I would go to Annie Blooms or Powell's or whatever. Powell's yep. staff. Powell's staff picks. Oh, so good. Yeah, Annie Blooms. <laughs> any, any local bookstore staff picks, like that's where you go yes. to shop. But um, I you know, used to think, like, if it's not on the bestseller list, it must not be, like, you right. know, it wasn't it's actually not, that hard. Yeah. And so, um, I, that was always kind of, like, one place where I would start. Also, like, it's interesting to me, like, that there's a rumor that the New York Times weights uh, indie bookstores more heavily because, like, indie bookstores are great for going and getting recommendations, yeah. but then it's, like, that gives the people who work there so much power because, like, staff recommendations are so important. Which is, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I kind of feel like New York Times is like a little bit of like a like a pretentious vibe, you know? So like that kind of like totally. Like yeah. you know that's like, like secretly why I love it, right? But exactly. Like, <laughs> like, oh, did you see me scrolling my New York Times app? Um, no, but I I just think it's fascinating and I, you know, I think about my own behavior mm-hmm. and like Okay, if I'm reading Ice Planet Barbarians, who do I really want knowing that I'm reading Ice Planet Barbarians? Like Everybody. Apparently. Right. <laughs> I mean, clearly. Now. <laughs> but um like I'm reading that shit on my phone, right? Like, yeah. I'm not okay. holding I mean the covers <laughs> Wow. You're not are, reading that on TriMet. Nope. They are really something. <laughs> so like and I think Lena, like, I order all my regular, like non-romance books. From Annie Blooms or from Powell's, right? Rather than from right. Amazon. Uh, but when I'm ordering a book like this, I'm like, I can't, I can't look them in the face while I pick that book up. <laughs> and it's like it's special order, you know? <laughs> so like I'm getting it on I mean, this this series is mostly on Kindle Unlimited. So it's like that's where I'm reading it. And so it basically is like invisible to all the bestseller lists except yeah. for Amazon. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yet another way that uh, romance is ignored by the industry and things that are for women are dismissed. But um, yeah, anyway, it's it's not a like cut and dry science. We don't know exactly how it's all done, but it's fascinating to talk about. It is fascinating. Um, Yeah. So anyway, that's my deep dive for today. So why don't we take a quick break and then let's see your turn. All right. Sounds good. Right, my turn. So I read "Ghosted" by (laughs) (laughs) by Rosie Walsh. All right, and in the UK, it's titled "The Man Who Didn't Call." Oh, interesting. So, um, all right, I'm I'm just gonna start with the back of the book. Cool, let's do it. When Sarah meets Eddie, they connect instantly and fall in love. To Sarah, it seems as though her life has finally begun, and it's mutual. It's as though Eddie has been waiting for her, too. She has never been so certain of anything. So when Eddie leaves for a long-booked vacation and promises to call from the airport, she has no cause to doubt him, but he doesn't call. Sarah's friends tell her to forget, to forget about him, but she can't. She knows something's happened. There must be an expl- explanation. Minutes, days, weeks go by as Sarah becomes increasingly worried. 
But then she discovers she's right. There is a reason for Eddie's disappearance. And it's the one thing they didn't share with each other. The truth. Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) So I have to admit that when you told me the name of this book, I originally hoped it was going to be Paranormal Romance. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name? Is the name of that movie just Ghost? The one with like Patrick Swayze yes! from the 80s? <laughs> yes, oh my god. With the uh, epic pottery wheel scene. Yes. Which um, Gen Z probably doesn't even know about. But, right. Um, that would make yeah. an excellent. This was not that. Um, yes. That would make an excellent. But book. this also sounds wonderful. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. Okay. So um, casting this book, you get right into that. So Sarah, Sarah Harrington, which. I listened to the audiobook, and the narrator has a phenomenal English accent, Ooh. and so now I just like hear her name as Sarah. <laughs> so wait, <laughs> which was I the can... book originally published in Britain. Yes, and cool. it's it's set half in Britain and like half in like L.A. So. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, the narrator actually has like some like great accents because like one of the characters is like from the south. Like it's oh, okay. I highly recommend the audiobook. Nice. <laughs> Um, so Sarah Harrington, um, I had as, uh, Lena Headey. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So like these people are a little older. Yeah. Um, I think like forties ish. So nice. That's refreshing. I know. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. like to have also the female lead mm-hmm. be in her forties. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, and Eddie David, uh, Henry Cavill or Cavill? I'm oh, not sure. yes, Cavill. Yeah. I think it's Cavill. Yeah. Cavill, yeah. So he's supposed to be like very kind of like classically handsome, but like mm-hmm. a little quirky. Sure. Okay. Like, yeah. So, um, yes. And some of the uh, love scenes, I'm going to call them, because they're not really sex scenes. Like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get into it. But yeah, he's like described as just like very handsome and very, I don't know, attra- like, yeah, attractive, classically, classically attractive. Handsome. Yes, yes, totally. Henry Cavill has like a nice uh, butt chin going on, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the tropes of this novel I actually really struggled with um, because it doesn't fit into like any. Yeah. And like even like like last time I felt like it fit into like several, but like this mm-hmm. one it was like it didn't really. So like kind of like unexpected past, I think. Like sure, but, yeah. yeah um, but even that's kind of like loosely, yeah. That's a pretty general one. Yeah. Past, yeah, yeah. Um. So okay, I'll go into my overall thoughts. Um, I really love this book. Like, <laughs> it it was like compelling. There were plot twists and turns. Um, and it's actually going to be really hard. Uh, this part because it's going to be really hard not to spoil anything because. There's, like, simple things to talk about from the end, which would, like, which would majorly spoil some, like, really, like, shocking twists. Interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. There's, like, often not a lot to spoil Mm -hmm. in romance books, so that's exciting. Right. Um, And so I, like, the ghosted title, I think, is actually misleading, like... The UK title is, like, a little bit more, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that, like, that US title was added to, like, boost sales uh-huh. a little bit, make yeah. it, like, a little bit more, like, ooh, mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does start out as, like, a mystery. It sort of, like, implies that, like, maybe he's met with, like, an act, like a terrible accident, yeah, you know, like, that kind I of thought, thing. Yeah. Um, but as you get into it, it's kind of, like, it's less of a mystery and more just, like, a slow unraveling of... I love it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, yeah. And then, like, parts of the reveals, like, these, like, shocking twists, you're like, <gasps> and then you have to, like, go back and, like, reread parts. And you're like, oh, my God. Just like, the, like um, things that you missed that actually Yes. Went, oh, my yeah. God, I love that. Yes. Um, yeah. So, like, that part was great. And that's, like, sort of, like, it's not, it's, it is romance, but it's, it's not, like, I don't know if I would have categorized this even as romance, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do wish that the author had fleshed out the, the romance scenes, love scenes a little bit more. Um, they are sort of, so like the book starts like a week after they're like meeting. Okay. And so like all of the love scenes are flashbacks. Oh. And I'm kind of like, well, they're always like, they leave you wanting more. Which is good, but, like, also, like, you never, like, you know, like, there's no more. Like full payoff. Yeah. Sometimes that's nice if it's, like, building to, like, a... But it's not because it's a flashback, so it already yes. happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like that's sort of, like, what makes it not really a romance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, broad strokes, whatever. Yeah. Um, the characters are well-written. Sarah, I feel like, is was very relatable. Um, she's sort of this, like flawed individual um but like she she has these like really supportive friendships like relationships and friendships okay. like which is like so refreshing like i feel like that's you know like a big like downside of like a lot of romance novels that you're like do you not have any friends to like talk to about these yes. things like almost never so like, often that's like a major downfall yeah because, like they have no support outside of this like partner that yeah they're obviously having conflict with or there wouldn't be a book right, right. There has to be like some yes yeah. Yeah, so there's, like, really strong, like, female friendships and male friendships. Um, they're, like, you know, they're and, – and it's not just, like, one. They're they're all over. So, like, she can go to one. Like, she gets one perspective. She goes to another. She gets another perspective. And they're all oh. – like, they're just written well and, like, never did it seem, like, forced or um, – and then the other thing about Sarah is that she – so she's had some, like, relationship issues. Like, she's struggled with relationships, mm-hmm. but her professional life is on point. Um, yeah, so that's also kind of refreshing. It's like, she can she's not a mess. Yeah. Yeah. She's not a hot mess in her yeah. 40s. Um, and then the Eddie character is also really relatable. Um, he's like a really well-written love interest. Um, and it's <laughs> like describing him, it feels like it could be cheesy, but it's somehow not like he is a woodworker who like lives alone in this beautifully <laughs> refurbished barn. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I'm imagining like lots of like exposed beams, <laughs> like, yep. you know, yes. like nice oiled wood, <laughs> yeah. everything. And he like makes her breakfast and like, uh, right. Yeah. And somehow they make that not cheesy. So I'm it. into it. <laughs> um, yeah, he's also, I like having said that, like he's totally described as my type. Yeah. Practical, goofy sense of humor, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, readings. Readability. I gave it a four, but honestly, like, it's verging on five. Like, it's readable. Like, I kind of want to save five, I think, because mm-hmm. there were a few parts where it was a little slow. Like, it's a long, it's a long book. Yeah. Um. Sounds but, com- compelling, though. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard for me to tell because I've listened to the audiobook, so uh, there wasn't, like, you know, I couldn't, like, get bored, and, you know, I was, like, <laughs> doing other things and yep. whatever. Um, hotness, uh, two. One, yeah. two, like, it, you know, there's, like, cute romance scenes, but there's not a lot of, like, 
sexy to mm-hmm, sheets action. Mm-hmm. Romance, I also give it a two. Oh. Because, <laughs> like, the the romance scenes are just, like, so few and far between. That, sure. like, yeah. there are a few really good ones, but they're, like, scattered and most of this book is not that. Um, and then overall four. Again, I really love this book. Yeah. So, all right. Favorite line. I also struggled to find a favorite line. Usually I go for like the cheesiest whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this, I think this was actually like in one of the reviews. Um, so just to like give you an idea of what it sounds like. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> I always have to extra pause. <clears throat> 19 years since that day. 19 whole years. And I'm still looking for you. I will never, never stop looking for you. Often you appear when I expect at least. Earlier today, I was trapped in some pointless dark thought or other. My body clenched like a metal fist. Then suddenly you were there, a bright autumn leaf cartwheeling over a dull pewter lawn. I uncurled and smelled life, felt dew on my feet, saw shades of green. I tried to grab hold of you, that vivid leaf, cavorting and wriggling and giggling. I tried to take your hand, look straight at you, but like an optical black spot, you slid silently sideways, just out of reach. I will never stop looking for you. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> that, I feel like that it does give you an idea of, like, the overall book. Like, it's it's not, you know, there's not a lot of, like, romantic love scenes, but it's well-written and it's beautiful. And yeah. It's um, I think I kind of skipped the vibe check. So, yeah, kind of. It passes the vibe check, kind of. Good enough. Good enough. There's not a lot of diversity, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, you know, which I feel like if it's not explicitly said, it's then the it's same not. as not yes. existing. Yep. So there was, yeah, I do feel like she had like a wide array of like friendships, but again, as far as I could tell, these people are probably all white, mm-hmm. <laughs> all, you know, so, eh. Um, and then, so, um... Trigger warnings, there are some, and I'm going to try to explain what they are without ruining any of the twists. Okay. Yeah, so I would say, like, car accidents. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like, losing, some, like, fatal car accidents. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but other than that, you know, that's that's pretty much it. So, okay. very mild. Yeah. yeah. Nothing too bad. All right, so with that... Um, overall, you should read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my deep dive, um, I also felt like this book did not lend itself to a good deep dive. Um, so I <laughs> decided to look up a list of British clothing words that we don't use in the U.S. <laughs> I love it! <laughs> Mostly because this is like the second book I've read where like every time I'm like, wait, what is, what's a jumper? What's yep. it like? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first on this list, which um, is from a website called Lost in the Pond, Mm -hmm. which is like literally someone from the UK (laughs) who like moved to the US and was like, what's up with bullshit? (laughs) Nice. Um, So number one is anorak. So in the UK, an anorak has two meanings. One is a hooded jacket Mm -hmm. and two is a socially inept person. (laughs) <laughs> what? I didn't know that one. I, I was like, either. that's a rain jacket. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, and Anorak didn't 
enter the English language apparently until 1924. Oh. So before this, coats would have been a parka, which okay. is also still used. So it's like eh. an anorak definitely is like a rain slicker, right? Me, whereas a parka is like a like a bit yeah. insulated, right? Same. Yeah. Um. Okay, so number two is bowler, which I think, like, we know what that is, but... <laughs> I mean, Cornelius Fudge wears one, so obviously exactly. <laughs> um, So, popular during the Victorian age, um, popularized further by Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. So, it's a hat... <laughs> oh, okay. There's, uh, people like, debate where the name comes from, but there's a few theories. One is that it could be John Bowler of Surrey, who operated a hat manufacturer (laughs) in the early 19th century. Um, But in the U.S., apparently, a bowler hat is typically referred to as a derby hat, which I didn't realize those were, like, the same. Yeah. So, all right. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip this one. Yeah, okay. Next one is jumper. So, like I said, I'm always like, wait, what is jumper? So, like, it's a sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that one from all my knitting. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. But, like, in the U.S., a jumper is, like, a, like, skirted. It's, like, skirted overalls. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, it goes over Like, it's, like, a shirt. little girl's yep. outfit. A pinafore. Yeah. Pinafore. Pinafore. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Kex. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that at all. <laughs> so apparently it's like slang and it's an informal word for trousers in what? the UK. I've never heard that one. <laughs> yeah. So an American equivalent is just pants. Pa- pants. But Which? pants in the UK <laughs> means underwear. Kex. I don't like that. It sounds like a slur. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then knickers. But I feel like that's kind of, we know what that is. Yeah. Um, nappy, also, I think we know what that is. Mm-hmm. Nappy in the UK is a diaper in the mm-hmm. US. Um, okay. Let's <laughs> see if you know this one. Plimsolls? <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I do not know that one. <laughs> right? Like, for me, it's like if it wasn't in Harry Potter, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Plimsolls. Sounds like a fruit. <laughs> uh, they're slip-on shoes with a rubber sole. So like, okay. like, like tennis shoes, shoes or sneakers, oh, yeah, according yeah, to okay. this. But yeah. which I feel like tennis shoes or sneakers are not slip-ons, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then trainers, which is also That's like, sneakers. sneakers, yeah. yeah. And then uh, wellies, which I know that one, and I feel like everybody knows wellies are like you know rubber boots. Um, what the queen wears in the country. Yes, <laughs> been watching The Crown lately. <laughs> Always. <laughs> okay, last one. Why friends? You know what that is? Okay. I've definitely heard that before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in Terry Pratchett. Mm. It's some kind of pants? Underpants. Oh, so like, oh you know, with God. the, yep. yeah, a little flat, yep. flat, flat. Totally. Right. So the U.S. jockey shorts, briefs, tidy whities Tidy whities All right. So then the last thing I tacked on here, <laughs> um, because it was like an ad on the bottom of this list, was... <laughs> There are 11 states that are bigger than the UK. Is that all? The UK is... Wait, the whole UK, not just England? Yeah. Including Oregon. Boom. (laughs) Which, I don't know, that's like a little mind-blowing to me. I know. (laughs) I, yeah, having been to the UK uh, a handful of times, that always strikes me. Yeah. Because we'll be like driving and it's sound... It's like... 
it's implies over. that it's far, yeah. you know, for them. But then I'm like, oh, this is like not even driving to the other end of my state. Yeah. But it, um, so it's actually very similar in size to Oregon. So yeah. Oregon is 1.04 UKs. Wow. Area. Nice. Take that, UK. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that was like the fact that this was set mostly in the UK. It was just, yeah. Yeah. Some facts for you. Yeah. So in the book, who is English? Is it the female lead or the male lead? Both. Oh, both. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, she had moved to LA as like a like late teenager, like 17 or 18. Gotcha. And then she comes back. And that's where she meets ah, Eddie David in, Eddie her, David. in her original hometown. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I have. Should we take a quick break? Sounds good. Alrighty. Another beautiful episode. Alright. So, what are you reading next week? I am going to be reading Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. Ooh. Yes. That looks good. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to read Back in the Burbs by Avery Flynn and Tracy Wolfe. A dual author. Yes. And I believe both of those authors are like both very popular romance yeah. authors. So it'd be interesting. Fun. All right. Okay. Can't wait to hear about it. See you next week. All right. Bye. <laughs>